I know it's tough driving past that poor fellow looking for a ride on the road as the sun sets. What if he doesn't make it home? What if something happens to him? It's natural for us to feel guilty when not picking up a hitchhiker, but don't forget that ignoring that hitchhiker might just be the best decision of your life. Had you decided to stop and let him inside, you may not have had a very long life after all. Enjoy these scary stories about hitchhikers. If you have a creepy experience that you'd like narrated, share it with us at darknessprevails.org. The Hitchhiker That Never Existed From James R. Location, Austin, Nevada. It was a very early morning around 6.30 a.m. on a Sunday near Austin, Nevada. I was pulled over on the side of a small two-lane country road to check out my car after hearing a loud thumping noise. I had a really bad headache and I was exhausted. Damage to my car was the last thing I wanted to deal with. I was currently on my way back from a company retreat where we were having team-building exercises at a nearby ranch. I had to leave a day earlier than everyone else, specifically early that morning because I was planning on going to a wedding around noon and it was a five-hour drive back home. So yeah, I woke up really early. I was already fully dressed for the wedding and ready to go straight to the church. Anyway, I was at the side of the road and I get to the front of the car. I see that my front right tire was completely flat. There was a huge hole in it. As I was finishing up changing the tire with my spare, I see a man walking up from the embankment on the side of the road. He was wearing shorts with crudely cut edges and a plain t-shirt. When he got a little closer, I noticed his shoes, and I thought it was odd, because they were nice dress shoes, but they were covered in mud. Before I could say anything, he raised his hand and smiled, then spoke to me. Hey there. I have been walking down this road for a while now, looking for a ride. You think you could drive me a few more miles down the road? Seeing the state he was in and feeling bad for how cold it was outside, I decided I would give him a ride. He got in my car and we continued down the road. I remember what it was like driving on the way there. Very desolate, very long, very cold. So what could he mean by a few more miles down the road? In any case, I began to make some small talk with him to keep it from being awkward. I asked him his name, but he spoke so quietly I could barely make it out. But it sounded like he said, patient or patience. I assumed I had simply misheard him or he had a foreign name that I didn't understand. I asked him why he was out so early today and he had some story about how he liked to take long walks down the road in the morning. But this particular one, he was feeling tired and did not want to make the way back home on foot. I decided not to press him further about it, but I definitely thought it was strange that this man was wearing such nice clothes while taking a walk in the middle of nowhere this early in the morning, and especially in dress shoes. As he was talking, I would periodically glance over at him, and I noticed how strikingly pale his skin was, like a chalky white pale that I didn't seem to notice earlier. I can't explain it very well, 
but the longer I sat in that car with him, I felt almost like I knew him, like he was an old friend that I haven't seen since childhood and barely knew anymore. But still, I had some old memories that connected us. Each conversation ended shortly, and he kept staring out his window, keeping quiet for the majority of the ride. Multiple times, I kept feeling like he was about to doze off, when right on cue, he would make a comment about the weather or about the road, and then would remain quiet after I responded. We had been driving for at least 10 minutes when I finally spoke up and asked where exactly he needed me to drop him off at. Without turning his head, he said in a quiet, raspier voice, Just keep going. It can't be much farther. Every few seconds, I continue to glance at him, and I see him sitting in the same position, staring out the window, but I noticed that he was frequently scratching his arms and face. We had been driving half an hour by then, and still there was no sign of him showing any interest in where we were going. Every minute that passed, he would scratch his arms and face more and more frequently. I asked him if he was okay, and if he wanted to stop. We were about to approach a gas station after all, the only one for the next 50 miles. Without turning to me, he said, Yeah, this is perfect. Help will come. I guess this is where he was wanting to go all along? As I was parking, I was about to ask him if this is where he wanted me to drop him off at, and that's when he finally turned his head to look at me. I found myself staring into a face covered with red liquid, scratch marks half an inch deep into his eyes and face. The skin on his bare arms and neck was peeling and falling into his lap, leaving streaks of red running down his shirt. He spoke in a deep, raspy voice now that changed pitch as he talked, almost like it was going through rapid changes, and he said, You weren't supposed to see this. I need to move on. I jumped back in horror and ran out of the car feeling sick to my stomach. I ran inside the gas station store and I told the employee there to call the police. I walked toward the storefront windows and looked into my car windshield. The man was gone. I ran outside and looked into the car, but there was nothing. Then I felt a touch on my shoulder. Jumping back in shock, I turned around and what I saw was neither the hitchhiker, a horrible man, but I saw me. I saw myself. It was like I was looking straight into a mirror, but more of a pale, ghostly reflection of myself. Then me, or it, or him, laid its arm on my shoulder and said, It's going to be okay now. Then it slowly turned around and walked away. I tried to walk after him, but I felt like something was holding me back. Then I hear another voice above me now, saying, Come here, he's opening his eyes. Then all I see is black. When I wake up, I'm on the ground looking up. My wife is in tears above me, waving her hands to the nurse sitting in the chair. This isn't the ground, this is a hospital. 
I try to raise up, but I find myself bound by the wrists to the side of the bed. The nurse runs in and grabs the phone near the bed and says to someone on the other end, the patient is awake. Shortly after, a man in a white gown walks into the room holding a clipboard, followed by two police officers. I then recounted everything I last remembered happening to me. I described my drive back from the company retreat and the terrifying otherworldly experience with the hitchhiker. The doctor and the two officers stepped away out of the room, and I could see them chatting about something among themselves. It was just me and my wife in the room then. I asked her, What in the world is going on? She replied, A gas station employee on Route 50 found you lying unconscious. He thought you were gone and called the police. Luckily, you were alive. The employee said he remembered seeing two people in the car but could not remember who was driving. When he walked outside, he saw only you, lying on the ground, but no sign of anyone else. The police arrived and took you to the nearest hospital. When she finished talking, I looked outside the window of the room and noticed it was dark out. I asked for the time and she said it was 9.30. It was still morning when I last remembered being on the road. How could it be so late, I thought. I asked how long I'd been here, and she said just a few hours. I told her I remembered leaving the retreat just a few hours ago. She looked at me and said, Sam, it's Wednesday. You've been in a coma for three days. You've only been in this room for a few hours. They had to tie you down in here because you began to thrash out in the middle of the night. You were trying to scratch your own face. She rested her head on my shoulder and began to cry profusely. As the weeks went on after being released from the hospital, fragments of memories started to come back to me. They were memories of that strange Sunday morning, except things were slightly different. One day, sitting down at dinner with my wife, I recounted everything that had come back to me. I was leaving the retreat. It was early, and I had a terrible hangover. Sometime after driving for a while, I remember dozing off. I must have completely passed out and swerved off under the side of the road, slamming into a tree. I remember trying to start the car, but nothing would happen. I had a massive ache on the side of my head and could feel something oozing out. I put my hand in my pocket to pull out my phone, and when I looked at the screen, it showed no signal, and the battery was at 9%. I was so dazed and out of it that I made the stupid decision to try to walk along the muddy embankment, even in my nice clothes, hoping I would find some help along the way. I remember walking for so long, but never seeing any signs of people. I decided to walk into the wooded area to rest under shade, and after that, it was like none of it ever happened, and I woke up in the bed in the hospital. The police had scanned the area where I was driving, but never found signs of a crash or any foul play at the gas station. They never found any damage on the front of my car, and there was no injury on my head like I remembered. One thing they did mention is they found a large branch with nails hammered through it, lying on the side of the road about five miles from the retreat site. Some nights I have dreams about that strange hitchhiker, except in my dreams I can never see his face. 
It's like something was keeping me from recalling what he looked like before or after he had changed appearance. My wife thinks these dreams are nothing but a response to the emotional trauma and memory loss, but I feel differently. To me, it's like two very real memories of the same event. I mean, did everyone just decide to forget that the man at the gas station said he saw two of us in the car that morning? Because I didn't forget. Hitchhiking Horror from Anonymous Location Unknown So let's start this off by saying I'm a small girl, and this happened fairly recently. Me, my best friend, and my boyfriend, along with his friend, had gone on a trip to visit my friend who I'd never met before. I knew him from chatting over Messenger for a few years. We left our hometown and drove for a few hours, until we reached this friend's house, who was coincidentally throwing a party the day we decided to visit. We walked in, and I immediately saw him, so I ran for a hug. My boyfriend didn't like this, but he swallowed it down and decided to introduce himself. Then our friends went to get drinks. A good few drinks later, and I was feeling kind of tipsy, and my friends told me that they were going to drive back to the hotel we were staying at. I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but my friend's house was not in a very populated area, and it would be quite a walk to our hotel. But I was a stubborn 19-year-old, and I decided to stay here instead of going with my friends, not realizing I had no money on me, because it was all in my boyfriend's backpack, which I had placed it in. About 30 minutes later, some jerk spilled his drink on me. That's when I decided I should probably leave. I was a mess, sticky and tipsy, so it would probably be for the best. I remembered then that I didn't have my money, and I was too embarrassed to ask around for some. I felt that they would judge me. So I said my goodbyes and set off walking. To add to my displeasure, it was cold and damp that night. I got about halfway down the road before I realized I was completely alone. It was oddly quiet that night. I saw a car drive past about every 10 minutes, so I decided I'd stand and wait for someone to pick me up. Usually, I would just have called my boyfriend, but I wasn't thinking straight. I walked for another 10 minutes or so until a jeep drove past and stopped a couple of feet in front of me. I jogged up to the window and the driver rolled it down. He was a decent-looking guy with black hair and tanned skin. He looked like he'd been drinking, but not as much as me. He offered me a ride, and I hopped in. It must have been about 30 seconds after I got in that he locked all the car doors. I questioned him about it, and he said it just made him feel safer while driving at night. It was a creepy thing to do right after picking up a complete stranger but I didn't say anything more about it. All was well until he started lecturing me about how dangerous it was to get into strangers' cars. We drove in silence for a few minutes after that, before he finally asked me my name. I hesitantly told him, and he referred to himself as David. We spoke for a little longer, before he took a sudden turn away from the town my hotel was in, and that's when my heart dropped. I sat there quietly, imagining the worst, until he pulled into a rest stop and told me he needed to get a snack. 
I texted my boyfriend when he left to tell him where I was and to get here quickly. When he got back, he locked the doors again, but he didn't set off. Instead, he stared at me and suddenly began to laugh. I was scared and confused, but then he pointed out that he could see the drink that had been spilled on me and had stained my top. So he offered me his to wear until we got back to my hotel. I had a change of heart. That was a very selfless thing to do. So all my red flags disappeared. Until I took off my top, he suddenly yanked his shirt away that he had been handing to me, then pulled a blade from his glove compartment and pointed it at me, demanding I give him my phone. I refused, obviously knowing my boyfriend would be there soon. He then got right in my face and said it again. I gave in, dropping my phone. Just then, there was a frantic banging at the window. It was my boyfriend. I screamed, grabbing his attention. My boyfriend pulled him out of the car and grabbed me by the hand. We got in my boyfriend's vehicle and drove away. All the while, David was picking himself up off the ground and yelling threats to us from where he was. We drove back to the hotel, where I broke down and told him how everything had gone down. After filing a police report, we cut the trip short, and we went home the morning after. The Pale Hitchhiker From Roots Location, Washington I was 18 years old, living in Washington State. I was driving home in a red pickup truck, and I had just dropped a friend off at his place. I had just exited the highway and was making my way towards my neighborhood. It was nighttime. I was just passing my high school when I saw a black figure standing on the sidewalk. I slowed down as I neared him. He was dressed quite nicely, as if he was going to a dance or something. He looked at me and was extraordinarily pale, and his skin was taut against his skull. You need a ride? I asked. Honestly, I probably sounded nervous. He stared at me with these droopy, dark eyes. Finally, he nodded without saying a word. He didn't even change his blank expression. I had a game console in the front seat, so the hitchhiker climbed into the back. I began my drive again, asking the man where he wanted to go. He was staring at a small gray piece of paper in his hand. He didn't look up but simply said, just drive. I was very creeped out at that point, but just kept driving as the man requested. After a few moments of silence, I asked again where the man wanted to go, but I got the same reply, just drive. I asked over and over again three or four times, every time he said the same thing. Eventually, I got annoyed that he was making me late for dinner so I tried telling him where he might want me to drop him off. There's a mall not far from here that has a really good Asian restaurant. You want to stop there? A few awkwardly silent seconds passed, and then he looked up from the paper. He squinted those dark eyes at me and said, Just drive. It was firmer this time. Then he looked back at the paper Terrified, I decided to try and make conversation with him to pass the time, 
maybe even get on his good side. So what you got there? I asked, referring to the paper. A photo? Without looking up, he spoke again. Wedding photo. His voice was no longer cruel. Instead, it sounded sad or hollow. He continued, even more pained this time. She passed the day of our wedding. He paused for a second, then said this to me. I will never forget it. We both did. When I glanced back at the man, after looking toward the road for one second, he was gone, as if he had never been there. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer, Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play, with my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Creepy Hitchhiking at Night From ZVZ Location, Surrey, England. It was 2 a.m. on a Friday night. I was only 15 at the time and was walking home from a party that was in another city. You see, I had lied to my mom saying that I was at a friend's house and that I would be back later as I thought I could just take the bus home. The party was fun and small, but I didn't know anyone there. I ended up deciding to leave early not realizing that the buses stopped running at 1.30, and my early was not early enough. I was stuck in the most ghetto part of Surrey. My dumb self decided to walk home, because I knew I would get in some trouble at home if I called my mom to pick me up. She would be sleeping at the moment, and she definitely expected me home already. So on I went down sketchy roads and highways, until I was walking past my work. Then and only then I felt desperate, and I thought it'd be a good idea to hold my finger up and wait for cars to pass by. About five cars passed in the duration of ten minutes. It was around then that a red Honda Civic passed me, and I'm pretty sure they saw me, because he stopped up ahead and started to back up. I walked over to his window, and I asked if I could get a ride. I lived nearby, close to a beach, and this is what I told him. The man responded, saying, Sure thing, 
Hop in. I did exactly that, hopping in the old rusty red Honda Civic. The entire car ride was creepy. It was asking me way too many questions, like what school I went to, where exactly I lived. I was getting weirded out. I was planning on jumping out of the car if we ended up at a stoplight. It was the third light that we got to. It turned, and I knew it was my chance, so I booked it out of the car and ran into the nearby woods. But he followed after me. I could hear someone chasing me from behind. I hid behind a thick tree trunk, covering my mouth so that he couldn't hear me. I stood as perfectly still as I could. I could hear the sound of someone running through the brush. It was getting louder. He was getting closer to me, until suddenly there was silence. That is, until someone screamed out loud, Where are you? I nearly screamed in reply. Out of the blue, I could hear sirens. The police. Someone had seen the man running into the forest after me and had dialed them. The man ran off, and I was still standing there hiding behind the tree. I didn't budge until the police found me. Having been more terrified than I'd ever been, I was so relieved. If he had caught me, who knows what would have happened. It definitely wouldn't have been good. I don't know where the man went, and last I heard, he was still at large. I got home safe riding in the back of a police cruiser. When my mom opened the door, I hugged her and told her everything. She was only mad for a moment, but was more relieved that I was home safe. That is the last time I am ever going to hitchhike. I was the hitchhiker from Keys. Location unknown. You hear a lot of eerie stories about people picking up hitchhikers, and it turns out that the hitchhikers aren't ghosts or something. But in my story, my experience, I was the hitchhiker, and I was picked up by someone terrifying. I was driving on a dirt road when my car broke down. Conveniently, I was in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. Cursing my car, I got out, and I started trying to figure out what was wrong with the dang thing. An hour later, I saw headlights coming my way. I stood at the side of the road with my thumb out, hoping to get the driver's attention. He slowed down and the car came to a squeaking halt. It was an old blue truck with many rusty spots. A big man with a gray beard leaned out the window. He shouted over the stuttering sound of an old engine. Howdy, son. Need a rat? I nodded and thanked him. Then I climbed into the passenger seat. Where to? He asked. I gave him the directions to my house and we began to drive away. While we drove, the man asked me a lot of questions, but I noticed that he said nothing about himself. After about 30 or 40 minutes of driving, he handed me a small black object. Here, have some gum. It didn't look like any kind of gum that I'd seen. It looked more like some substance, if you catch my drift. But I didn't want to be rude, and I could not think of a good excuse not to eat it. So I took it and put it in my mouth. 
but I noticed then that he didn't take any of the gum for himself. It tasted bitter and like a chemical, but I didn't want to spit it out in fear of offending the man. A few minutes later, I began to feel woozy and lightheaded. I couldn't tell what was real and what wasn't. Then everything went black. The last thing I heard was banging metal. Sometime later, I woke up in a dump yard. Piles of scrap metal and half-burned paper were all around me. I was in the back seat of the blue truck now, and the man was nowhere to be seen. It was dark. I had a sharp pain coming from my left cheek and a dull hot pain on my right wrist. There was a cut on my cheek, and branded into my skin was some sort of symbol. It was a circle with a plus sign in the center. The plus lines went outside the circle, and the bottom one reached down all the way to my elbow. I was only a mile away from home, so I was there in a short while. I managed to convince my mom that I cut my cheek when I was trying to fix the car, but she soon saw that it was a brand that I had on my skin, so I had to tell her the whole story. I never saw the man again, and I never hitchhiked again, because I don't know what he did to me, and I don't know what the sign means. There's a reason picking up hitchhikers is against the law in some areas. It's for your own safety. You see, people should never be trusted unless they earn it, and earning trust takes more than a five-minute car ride. Some people are insidious and will do anything to get what they want from you, whether that's the money in your wallet or the skin on your bones. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe. If you've got a story to share, you can send it to us at darknessprevails.org submit. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash darknessprevails or shop our merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash darknessprevails. But if you're on YouTube, you can just click that shop button below the video. Thank you. Now, as usual, here are my five favorite early comments from the previous video about 10 horrifying haunted forest encounters. Moodle Pleco Queen says, first, not first, but love your channel. Well, actually you are first, congratulations. Eric Chingen says, let's get lost in the woods with Yane Garcia. I don't know who that is, but apparently it's a weather girl that he says you should look up. So yeah. Austin Krakelis says, Oh my gosh, I was literally just watching you. Okay, thank you for reminding me to shut my blinds. Alpha Fuglo says, do creepy things seen in closets. I won't do them, but I will definitely read some stories about them. And XD Linratzeg says, the spirits will be even more mad if these woods get cut down. Yeah, I think we'd all miss them if they were gone, but I guess people have to have their six-ply toilet paper. Well, that brings us to the end of this Darkness Prevails episode, but don't you worry, because more scary stories are on the way soon, so stay tuned. Until next time, here are the credits to my amazing patrons who continue to donate. Remember, stay safe out there and stay creepy, because this world is a strange one. <laughs>